Ah, I'm so glad you're here. Allow me to introduce myself. I am Lord Bloodraw. I host horror and science fiction films on my TV series, Lord Bloodraw's Nerve Rack and Theater, but here, in this cool, intimate darkness, I'll be presenting tales of horror and the uncanny solely for you, alone. In this auditorium within your mind, you will coalesce the settings and the players from the ether of your imagination. Your terror will be your own creation. This is the sorcery of sound, the subtle magic of old-time radio horror. horror. Please leave your eyes at the door. You will not need them. This is Lord Bloodraw's Nerve Rackin' Auditorium. If you held ultimate power in your hands, how would you use it? And when I asked you that question, which came to your mind first? The good you would create? or what you would destroy. The uh, gentleman in tonight's story chose his answer. From Quiet Please comes the tale, The Man Who Stole a Planet. Quiet Please. Quiet Please. <laughs> The Mutual Broadcasting System presents Quiet, Please, which is written and directed by Willis Cooper and which features Ernest Chappell. Quiet Please for tonight is called The Man Who Stole a Planet. I've been a very fortunate fellow having money enough to do what I wanted to do, knowing what I wanted to do with it. I suppose I'm the best-known amateur authority on Mexico and the ruins of the Mayans and the pre-Mayans there is. Although if you're not interested in that kind of stuff, you never heard of me, so what? So if you're not, go on and read the baseball scores or tune in a quiz program or just do whatever you want to. I can't stop you. And I frankly don't care what you do if you're not interested. But if you are interested, just keep quiet and listen. And sit still. Uh, no, don't sit still. Set your neck a little and look down into this thing. Ever see one before? But be please. People keep frozen foods and stuff in these things. 
That is, most people do. I keep dead men in it. See? Oh, no, I, I didn't kill him. Matter of fact, I'm not entirely sure he's dead. He doesn't breathe. His heart isn't beating. If he isn't dead, he ought to take down his sign. He was just like that when he was walking around, like a mummy. That outfit he's got on, that's the uniform of a very high priest of a race of people who inhabited a certain part of Mexico in the 5th century A.D. And that fits him, too. It's his own uniform. Well, sure I know about these things. I've spent too many years of this business to be fooled. Fantastic, huh? Yeah, I know that's what you laymen expect to hear from archaeologists. Lots of stuff about walking mummies and weird curses and all that Boris Karloff routine. But take it from a practicing member of the profession. Archaeology involves a great deal more grubbing in the ground and sifting wheelbarrows full of dirt than it does dodging zombies. However, here I am on a July evening in the year of our Lord, 1948, with a house full of extremely dead high priests who were born in the Mexican jungle some 1,400 years ago. No, I didn't cart them back with me. No. They walked in on me. Ah, take that supercilious smile off your face. Yeah, I know what you're thinking. More of that supernatural stuff. More of that H.P. Lovecraft stuff. That my blood throws in my veins at the eldritch, whatever that is, being that towered above me. Well, don't kid yourself. What you people call supernatural is just as natural as apples growing on a tree. The only thing is, our great thinkers, our figures out, they all stop when they come to something they can't explain immediately with their slide rules and their log tables and spectacles and stuff. And once in a while, somebody finds out something, and a little chunk of the so-called supernatural slides over into the field of exact science, and everybody says, I knew it all the time. My eyes. So if men dead 1,500 years can walk around, there's a perfectly logical explanation for it. They know the explanation. We don't. And if we ever find out, accidentally, there'd be a hundred thousand scientists to tell you they could have done it a long time ago, only they were working on nuclear fission and other more practical benefits to the human race. Thing is, I don't care how they do it. My interest is in why they're here. That's what affects me. Oh, I didn't tell you why they're here. That's quite simple. Well, they want something I've got, something I brought back from Mexico with me. Something I stole from them. And, I may say, something I want very much to keep. So, that's my problem, children. What's yours? Oh, excuse me. I've been doing all the talking. This is my wife, my beautiful wife. Her name is Elizabeth. You can call her Liz. Look, don't let my husband fool you. He talks as if all this is very amusing and very simple. But believe me, he's just as frightened as I am. You can say that again, Liz. He's earlier. You see, I was with him in Mexico. I wouldn't be here now if you hadn't been. Please, Norman. I'm an explorer, too. So I'm afraid I'm not much of an archaeologist. But I'm a very good cook. Mm-hmm. And I'm the serious member of this family. So I'm going to tell you what happened without interruption, I hope. Because you think... Maybe you might be able to help us. I don't know how exactly. Neither do I. But you listen. And if you can, well, this was our 14th trip to Mexico. 
We flew to Mexico City, then down to Veracruz, and our people met us at Merida. And... If you'll excuse me a minute, darling, I think one of our friends is looking in the window. Oh, no. Just sit still. I'll be right back. Oh, I'm simply scared to death. We've been so fortunate this far. We always discover them in time. But what will happen if one gets in and we don't see him? Norman! Norman! Okay. I had to bust the window, though. Yeah, I better put this one away. No telling what had happened to us if some curious policeman got a look at. And you see? Same uniform, same badge on his left arm. Just like the ones carved in on the thing. The guardian. The watcher. Okay, Christy Weasley, have a nice sleep. Oh, Norman, I wish you wouldn't be so, so flippant about things. Flippant? <laughs> Listen, sweetheart, do you mind? I'm just about ready to go over in that corner and scream. If I see one more of these... I'm sorry. Oh, darling, hadn't we better take it back? No. Only, how long is this going to go on? How long is it going to go on? You've never been inside one of those great stone pyramids the Mayans built in the Guatemala jungles so many, many forgotten years ago. You've never smelled a dead smell. The sour, sweet odor of the rotting vegetation that's crept in through the crevices between the stones and died a thousand times. The musty grave smell of those low tunnels with the maddening paintings on the walls at your elbows. The figure seeming to gibber at you in the light of a Coleman lantern. Sweat. And the feeling that snakes are waiting for you in the darkness at the end. Yeah. And they worship snakes through Tom, the snake god. They tore people's hearts out. They hurled their beautiful daughters to the devil god that lives in a bottomless pit. We've been in the middle of all that a lot of time. Haven't we, darling? And the rites of spring and the harvest. The corn maidens dying horribly in the fields to preserve the fertility of the land. You've got a right to be scared. We saw the pictures of what they did to their prisoners, the ones they thought had done evil to their gods. We saw what was left of the poor victims. He's got a right to be scared. We've outwitted them so far. And how long can it go on? Take it back, Norman. Oh, I won't. I found it, and this world of ours today can use it. It can do more good here than it ever could in a moldy underground room beneath the dear tally. And that's where we found it. Tell them about it, Norman. You see, if they don't agree, you ought to take it back. I don't care what they say. It's mine, and I'm going to keep it. You hear me? I'm going to keep it, I said. We've heard about the place so many times. The place where the world lives, they call it. And the place where the world lives is what it's still called. Though the world doesn't live there anymore... Not since Liz and I found the deep galleries and took away the greatest treasure that the world has ever seen. All right, now you know. When you hear a little more about it and see it, you'll forgive me for being dramatic. The greatest treasure the world has ever seen. You'll agree. Well, tell about it. Will you take it easy, please? We, we finally found a place. Let's see if I can tell you about it. 
A wilderness of high grass, the kind of grass we'd never seen before, higher than our heads. Sharp-edged with razor blades. Loathes and insects hanging out of the two-inch blades of grass. Silent. Dripping. Heat. Crawling thing. How I found a place I'll never know. There was nothing to warn us. We just flashed our way through one more stand of high grass, and there was the door. The door was open. A kind of ramp led straight down. Into darkness. Darkness that seemed to begin a little too close to the bright entrance. Darkness that... They shiver there in the horrible heat that covered us like a coffin lid. Yes, of course we went in. We lighted our lanterns, went in alone. That was what we came for, wasn't it? And I think we were the first human beings who had set foot on that long stone ramp in a great many centuries. We knew it. We could feel it. The passageway wasn't so bad. Except for the pictures on the walls, I... I think I'd rather not tell you about them. They were put there, of course, to give any intruder an idea of what would happen to him if he got caught in there. You wouldn't believe me if I told you. I want to, I want to remember this very clearly, Lee. You stumbled against something. It was the lever that opened the inner door. And the door opened and I said, We found it, Norman. And the door closed behind us. <laughs> And our lanterns went out. I put out my hand for Liz, and she was still there. We stood there a minute. When I got over my first fear, Liz was kind of moaning in the dark. It's okay, honey. Stand still so we don't get separated from each other. Stand still. I like the lantern again. No, wait. There's a light. And there was a little light, a little faint light down there under the earth. And at first, I couldn't see where it came from. But our eyes got more and more used to the dim radiance. I finally saw where it was coming from. But there's a globe there, Norman. I think so, too. Come on, let's look over. What is it, Norman? Nothing. Looks like a baseball. Doesn't it, honey? What's holding it up? Archaeological treasure anyone has ever seen. It can't be. It is. See, there's a North American continent. And look around here Europe, Asia, Africa. It's the world. Do you realize what it means? It means that these people knew the world is round hundreds of years before Columbus proved it. It proved that the people who lived here knew all about the world. Look, even Australia. Yes, it is. Perfect. Why, this will upset every scientific. 
My Lord, woman, do you realize what a discovery this is? I'm afraid of it. Oh, I found what holds it up. What? It's not suspended in midair at all. See these two little wires? One from each pole? Oh, Norman, it's so beautiful and so terrifying. Terrifying, my eyes. Now, this is one treasure the Mexican government isn't going to get. Are you going to take it? Are you kidding? What was that? Uh, oh, the dog rule. I was wondering how we were going to get out of here. Now everything is going to be all <laughs> And I nearly dropped the lantern. Because when I turned around to look at the door, the rays of my lantern lit up the walls of the circular rock-hewn room we stood in. And ranged around the walls two feet apart where the high priests and all they were gave you. Just like these you looked at. All of them staring at us, each one of them with a bow in his outstretched left hand, and an obsidian-tipped arrow drawn to the head came straight at Liz and me. It was only a second before I realized they were all dead, that they'd been placed there long centuries ago, that they were harmless. And I laughed. I picked up the crystal globe that the little world lived in, and Handless and I made our way outside to the world of grass and sunlight. And I, like some 20th century atlas, carried the world on my shoulder. I turned and looked back for a moment at the door. And there, framed in the blackness beyond, stood an ancient man in the regalia of a high priest, such as he'd left behind us when we stole the world. And the arrow on his bow was pointed at my heart. So I shot him. Fell kicking. I slapped Liz when she started to cry. And we came away. Take a look again at this first shot I showed you. See? See the bullet in his head? Yeah, he's the same one I shot. Never forget his face. nearly a thousand years before Columbus was born in a Mexican jungle that hasn't even got a name. Come here. Here it is. Mm. Quite a thing, isn't it? What? Oh, yes, I managed finally to break the crystal globe it was in. The day that big earthquake in Japan it was. Yes, uh, I don't know why it still stays suspended in the air like that. There's a reason for it, of course. Not supernatural, perfectly natural. This we could only find out why. But there's something else I wanted you to see. Look at it closely. Isn't it beautiful? The continents and reliefs. See the mountains, the Rockies, the Himalayas over here? And the ocean really looks wet, doesn't it? Wonderful workmanship. Oh, no, please. Here. Look at it with a magnifying glass. Anything? No, I guess you can't. You'd have to watch it for a long time to see. I was, well, I'll say surprised when I discovered it. For it's turning. Turning on its axis once every 24 hours. 
been revolving like that once every 24 hours for a million, million, million years, then. Now, you see, I have got the greatest treasure the world has ever seen, haven't I? I really did steal the world. And I'll tell you something, the world is mine. Sure. Let anybody do anything I don't like, I'll take care of them. It's my world, see? You don't believe it? Well, look here. This is a very fine platinum blowpipe. And this is water. Is it? That's the Sahara Desert. What? No, Norman, please don't get away. What? You see? Nothing happened. <laughs> is that so? Liz, turn on the radio. There's a news program on now. Go ahead. Just be quiet for a second. Norman, I don't want... Turn it on. And be still. All of you. Hope for immediate peace in the Holy Land. Just a moment, please. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, it is reported that the Sahara Desert, the driest place in the world, has been suddenly inundated by widespread cloudbursts of unimagined intensity. The rolling sand dunes of the world's greatest desert... I'm now submerged below a hundred There you see? Sorry if I killed some people, but <laughs> well, I may have to kill lots of people someday, so uh it's practice. Don't believe it? Oh here, take this needle. No? Well, watch me. What shall we destroy? Yeah, no, 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 not a town. Uh, we'll wait for that. Besides, I can't pinpoint a town on a globe this size. Uh, exactly. Let's see. Uh, where's this? Norman, please, please don't. Liz, will you sit down, please, and shut up? Oh. I guess this is fairly uninhabited. Northern Minnesota. It's all deep forest there. And it never had an earthquake. So, Norman. just jab it a few times with a needle. Feel that? That, friend, is an earthquake a few thousand miles away. A very severe one. Liz, turn up the radio. I don't want to. In such a time of world unrest, Mother Nature herself takes a hand <laughs> and shows her own power. Yes. Oh, no. Ladies and gentlemen, here is another catastrophe. The great Mesabi Range in northern Minnesota has been completely obliterated according to first reports of a devastating earthquake that has laid waste thousands of square Not miles in the United States. Well, what do you think? Norman. I don't know exactly what to do. If I can just keep these high priests Norman, please. on the globe long enough, maybe I ought to just sit tight until they've all visited me and I've, I've put them all away and then I'll be all right. I'd like your opinion. Norman. What do you want? Norman. There's no... Stop bothering. Oh, well, hello, Brother Priest. Put that down. Put it down, I say. Put it down or I... Oh, no, Norman, don't shoot. You Stop, I tell you. No, no, Norman. Cut. Oh, 
surprise please for tonight was called The Man Who Stole a Planet. It was written and directed by Willis Cooper, and the man who spoke to you was Ernest Chappell. And Hildy Palmer played Liz. The voice on the radio was that of Phil Conkin. Music for Quiet Please, as usual, is played by Albert Berman. Now, for the word about next week, our writer-director, Willis Cooper. No, nobody is still in the world, really. Everybody in the studio is, at least at this moment, still alive, and while they were on the air, they represented nobody living or dead. Uh, you wouldn't have lived to hear this story. So for next week, I've written a story called It's Later Than You Think, and I hope you'll listen. And so, until next week at the same time, I am quietly yours, Ernest Chappell. A man held the ultimate power in his hands, the fate of the world, and he toyed with it like a psychotic child torturing a butterfly. What more is there to say? Thank you for joining me in the Nerve Rackin Auditorium, and I hope you'll come again. But now it's time for you to rejoin the, uh, real world. I am Lord Bloodraw, and I'll be waiting here for you in the shadows of your mind until the next time you seek the darkness. Good night. <laughs>